0: Welcome to the Boil Dow Coffee Club Podcast. The meeting after the meeting where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. We're Riff and Raff. The rebellion dogs. In case you're wondering, I'm Don. I don't know about this rebellion dogs thing, Don. Rebellion does tend to dog your every step. I've are noticed... you taking
1: my inventory? Okay, for example. By the way, I'm Sam, y'all.
0: <laughs> for example, Sam. Yesterday. I was at the assembly. <laughs> I was there too. The, I was there today too, the North Carolina Assembly, which was a melting pot of alcoholics who are ready to debate every nuance of every aspect of everything about making AA happen. Remember
1: to make it attractive, Don. <laughs>
0: oh Yes, and uh, <laughs> And it is attractive in that it's pretty incredible that all these people want to get together and do this. Mm-hmm. And, and it is the way that AA happens on, mm-hmm. on a national level. It's not going to happen if people don't get together and, you know, somebody's got to organize this thing on a higher level. So that's the way it works. But I, there's all these alcoholics. Now, I love alcoholics, but I love sober alcoholics, you know. They have that weird energy. So Sam walks in now. In this instance, with 150 other alcoholics, I don't know no, it why... It was almost 300. Was it? Wow. It was a room... 200, 250, I It think. was a room full. And uh, you weren't wearing your kilt, which you usually do at social functions. I often do. I'm wearing one today. <laughs> I think we're not going to discuss that. And yesterday... I mean, you wear what you, you want to do. Sam, you... I do what I want to do. You be you. But... Don't wear those damn contacts that make you look like you have owl eyes. Ooh.
1: I do need some owl eye contacts. Those contacts are pretty awesome. You got to
0: admit. They uh, they were very strange, they very were... odd, and very hard to talk to you because the whole time it's like, uh, is he going to uh, like spring claws and start <laughs> ripping flesh? I mean, it, it's so spooky looking.
1: Folks, these, uh, these contacts, um, they turned my eyes white with a uh, a black pupil and a black ring around the iris, so it was it was a, a creepy looking thing. Think kind of vampirish or something. Yeah, vampirish. Uh, it,
0: it's not even Halloween. It's, it's, just...
1: cl- it's uh, Halloween is less than a week away, so that counts.
0: Okay. And like <laughs> I've always said, you be you, Sam. <laughs> <I'm gonna tell laughs> Ain't nobody you what, else gonna be me. <laughs> there's a little bit of rebellion, dog, in you. Maybe I'm a contentious canine. I'm
1: going to get a rolled up newspaper. (laughs) We have a guest. Hi, who are Hello. you?
2: Hi, my name is Emily, and I'm an alcoholic.
1: Hey, Emily. Hello. I'm glad you joined us.
2: I am glad to be here. Oh
1: my God, your face when Don <laughs> did the owl. Yeah. A lot of people think that that's a canned um, yeah. uh, sound effect. I yeah. totally and did. Did you really? I totally
2: did. And <laughs> I would also like to comment the dog was not canned either, so that was <laughs> no. is all in real time, people. No, it's all in real we time.
0: We here at uh, The Boiled Dow we don't use canned <laughs> dog. No canned. Dog, no canned owl, no canned owl. (laughs) This is all organic, fresh dog and owl. (laughs) It's an organic, fresh dog and owl.
2: (laughs) We're we're off to a great start. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
0: you knew you were getting into this. I did. I did. (laughs) So, you've listened before.
2: Yes, I have. I have. Well,
0: I'm glad. Then, I'm glad you came to submit yourself to this. When did you get sober?
2: I got sober in um, February of 2016, so about three and a half years ago, as of now. So yeah,
0: that's great. Um, and, what, and what's your home group?
2: Uh, it's the Way Out. It's a fairly with, new home group, but I'm excited. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And I'm
0: glad you joined. That's oh, my home thank
2: group. Thank you. Yes, yes.
0: What was it like for you? What What happened to you that made you want to give up mm. drinking and do something as drastic as come to Alcoholics Anonymous?
2: Well, I think I'll kind of give a two-part answer to that because initially there were a lot of people around me who wanted me to stop. And um, I didn't too much care one way or the other. Those guests. I I know. I know. They were so annoying. They cared about my welfare. And I was kind of like, just leave me alone. Let me drink myself to death. And um, that was really what I thought. And I was uh, very confident in my alcoholism for a long time before... um, Like, there was no doubt in my mind. I think I knew the first time I took a drink, I couldn't drink like normal people, and I was okay with that, you know? Um, So, for a while... You knew it the
0: first time.
2: Oh, yeah. I knew I didn't drink like other people. Like, I I would drink to a point of having to be cut off, but... And it it, was kind
1: of like a superpower. Oh, yeah, exactly. Something to be proud of, yeah. Exactly.
2: But initially, like, when I was younger in college, I just knew to... And I had the sort of willpower is the wrong word, but I just avoided drinking altogether. And when I, cause I knew when I did drink, I would go all out. Yeah. Um, so, um, I guess back to the original question. Um, so all these people around me really wanted me to stop drinking and, um, I didn't really care. I didn't care about myself. I had real, no real hope. And it took, um, I lost about three. No, I did lose three jobs in the course of one year. I got kicked out of every single living situation I was in, um, all in about a year. And, um, but all of that, you know, that was all really external and I was still really determined to keep drinking and I really cannot explain except um, really my best answer is that I do believe there were other people appealing to my higher power before I knew how to on my huh. behalf, if that makes sense, because huh. I just had this moment of clarity and I said the words out loud. I said to somebody, I need major help. And once I said that, I was like, oh, God, why did I say that? Get back in there, you know, yeah. I didn't mean to say that. And they are. They are um, And uh, a week later, I was able to get into treatment, and um, I had gone to AA meetings before, and I had just, I just, you know, I was so confident. I was an alcoholic, and I was confident there was a problem, but I was not at all confident there was any kind of solution, so I yeah, really Yeah, you said you no didn't faith. have
0: any hope.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: But, so you didn't have any hope that you could quit drinking, or you didn't have any hope that your life could be better, or, because you weren't, te- it sounds like you weren't connecting the problems in your life with drinking.
2: Well, yeah, and I was um, convinced that if I stopped drinking, I would become this catatonic being who couldn't get out of bed. Like that's what I didn't think there was any life uh, in sobriety.
0: It's the one thing oh, yeah. mm-hmm. holding me together was alcohol. Exactly, I that was. I was, me too. I
2: was drinking to stay alive, not to hurt myself. Like that was the only way I knew how to live.
1: For me, it was the only thing that made life mm-hmm. tolerable.
2: Exactly, exactly. You know, it was. I, I think in a way, drinking helped me tolerate these just incredibly negative feelings I had about myself and about my world, um, you know, long enough to get me to the rooms of recovery where I've learned how to deal with those feelings in a healthy way and with others. So, yeah, it was a very dark place. And I, I don't, you know, in one way, I wish my bottom on everybody because having the bottom I had gave me the, what's the word, umph to get back up, I guess. Well,
0: but, it's a, that emotional uh yeah. Just, just, I think everybody has that. That's what the bottom is—the is, mm-hmm. uh, emotional part of mm-hmm. it. Even people who don't have like the physical,
2: exactly.
0: Because tr- I didn't have a lot of physical problems quitting drinking. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like I hadn't lost my license. I didn't lose my mm-hmm. wife. I didn't uh, lose my job. I didn't drink in the morning.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And th- it, it, I didn't get shakes to the extent that I had to drink to stop the shakes. Though all those things did happen to a certain extent to me. I remember at one point a, a designer, I'm a painter, and I was working and I was painting these really straight lines. Well, I put my finger on the wall to paint a straight line. Mm-hmm. And that will steady my hand as I come down. But, you know, as my hand reaches, goes towards the wall, it was shaking like crazy. And the designer said, Don, why is your hand shaking like that? And I Mm -hmm. said, oh, it's a palsy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's
2: just a touch of the palsy. (laughs) Uh, I would always say too much coffee. Too much coffee.
0: (laughs) That's what I said. That's what I said. I think I've had a lot of coffee. But uh, then once I got sober, I mean, I kind of believed that it was the coffee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But once I got sober, I was going, "Oh no, it exactly, wasn't." Oh, you mean exactly. that part of being an
1: active alcoholic is being unable to discern the false from the truth? That's yes, and, right. And
2: so, much <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. so much denial. Yeah, so much denial, and
3: the uh,
0: desperation of it of maintaining the fiction mm. that it's not alcohol mm. that's the problem.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The desperation of keeping that because. If I had that, I could keep drinking. you know I could c- continue to justify my own behavior.
0: So this happened to you out of the blue. you just uh, you just had had enough. Um,
2: well, uh, it happened actually.
0: Uh, was there one event that
2: pretty, um, pushed it uh, over uh, pretty the edge? quickly after I believe uh, the night before I had lost my third job in a year, I was currently um, living in a hotel with my cat that I had snuck into the hotel because the cat was not allowed. (laughs) Um, You know, I just think it was juxtaposition of kind of those two things. And I just, I don't know, it just hit me. It just hit me. I can't do this anymore. Um, And I didn't know if things could get better, but I knew they couldn't get any worse. And I didn't really know what I wanted, but I knew I didn't want this anymore. But like I said, as soon as I like made that admission to somebody out loud, I was scared, you know, I, it took, a lot of people really gathering around me after I made that and seeing other people in recovery and going to those meetings and realizing I'm not alone. And that's what really brought me out of it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, that's, yeah. I think
1: that is one of the biggest things. I, I, I'm so fond of this thing that I learned from a, a sponsor that the traditions get us sober. Mm,
3: mm-hmm. And
1: by that, you know, we're talking about the fellowship, the mm-hmm. fact that meetings are happening because... I don't have a program yet Mm. to keep me sober. The traditions, the fact that there is a fellowship there waiting for me to walk into that room that first time and then continues to show up and have all these meetings and be available to me as a newcomer Mm -hmm. to call and have coffee with and all this kind of stuff, that's what helps me get sober.
2: Yes. Yes. And for me, I had gone to those meetings before I got to this desperate point Mm -hmm. and I'd heard all this stuff. And those people who told me that stuff may have thought it made no difference because I didn't do anything that they said then. But as soon as I had that moment, I was going to those meetings. I was getting numbers. I was doing everything they said. I was reaching out. I wasn't letting myself be alone. And I still remember just, you know, those seeds were planted, but they couldn't do, I couldn't do anything until I wanted to stop. And it took that and it's so selfish and... I guess alcoholic of me to get to that point, but I had to hurt enough to want it.
1: Well, that's the normal thing for yeah. us, though. Yeah. You know, and is, no yeah. matter how much somebody else wanted me to get sober, oh, yeah. that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. It yeah. was until I wanted to get sober. Yeah. And being an alcoholic, and well, quite frankly, there are a lot of people out there who don't survive hitting their bottom.
2: That's right. Yeah. We did. Mm-hmm.
1: I almost didn't. Mm hmm. And it's one of those things that... um, You almost didn't? I almost did not. I attempted suicide. Mm. It's one of those things that it took alcohol driving me down to that point that I was willing to try this. And sometimes we just don't make it. We don't survive that. Well, there
0: you go. You know, they talk about the thing. And this gave me a lot of hope early on in the uh, the meetings because because I was what I considered to be a high bottom. I would hear people talking about how terrible their drinking was at the end. And and mine wasn't that way. So my alcoholism would act up, Mm -hmm. start rattling its cage Mm -hmm. in there. I'm that not as wondering. bad as they are. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. you're not an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm over. Maybe I've overdone it here. Uh, maybe I'm a little drastic going <laughs> to AA. Ooh, that made that decision a little early, at least, right? <laughs> and then I That's heard right, yeah. it's an elevator going down, and if you're an alcoholic, you're going down. Yeah, it's a progressive disease, and it gets worse and worse, and all of that stuff is there waiting for me. But the thing is, I can get off on any floor. I, I don't have to go all the way down. And I didn't get to, the, to a place of suicide, but I know people who have, and I know people who have not come in. I mean, there's, I know people who have gone out and died. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was total hyperbole when I first came in. It's like, I'm not gonna die if I drink. Mm-hmm.
1: And the thing is, we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not People predictable
0: mm-hmm.
1: because when I drink, I don't know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's better if I don't drink.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly,
2: exactly. Yeah, I got a, when I was going to meetings without having really surrendered, uh, you know, I got a big book and the big book has those first 164 pages, which are so wonderfully done. And then it has the stories in the back, which are also wonderfully done. But my sponsor at the time would tell me to read some from the first 164 pages. And I said, no, no, no. I, wa- I like reading the stories in the back. And what I was doing by reading those stories is because they're categorized into the like the pioneers and then they almost lost it all. And, you know, they have like the three different like stages stages, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to figure out where I fit in. And I was comparing myself to the stories in the back of the big book. I wasn't even going to meetings at that point and listening to people. I was just saying, well, I haven't done that yet. So I'm good. I'm okay. I'm good. There's a key
1: word there. Yet. Yet. Exactly. Exactly.
2: (laughs) So I was, you know, even at that stage, I was, I was big into comparing and I couldn't identify yet. You know, I just couldn't. So
0: could you identify with the big book when you in the, at the beginning? I don't even think I would, I I don't even think I would read it.
2: I don't think I would even read it at that point. Like I would literally sit outside with my glass of wine at this point when I still had a little house and I would, I would read the big book and it was, you know, and the 12 and 12, I had a 12 and 12 as well. And- you know, I did
0: that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I did that with Living Sober. Great. <laughs> somebody, yes. somebody gave me Living Sober and I was reading that and I was drinking a beer. And at one point in the book, it says, You may be drinking a beer right now. Does it really? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it says you're drinking right now, but it was like, What? It's like they jumped out of the page <laughs> and grabbed me. Hey, you, I'm talking to you. It's very disturbing. A little,
1: a little hand reaching out of the page and knocking you on the forehead. <laughs>
2: not, 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 not. Yeah. Yeah. But then, um, I think one of the big pieces of literature that also means a lot to me that did first break through once I did break that surrender point and I did have to go to treatment because I don't know if you can tell, but my, the physical levels, alcoholism took me to, I was incredibly addicted and I had detox a few times with the help of my family doctor at home. And that oh, was did, just did you awful. Get sick? I got very sick. Um, I, yeah, I got very sick and um, very shaky and I would have hallucinations and that's actually what got me in trouble was showing up at work one time going through withdrawal because oh I was goodness. seeing things and I think I shared this this week in the meeting and not only my hands were shaking, but my feet were shaking, which is what really scared my coworkers because the, the shaky feet, they were like, something is wrong with her and that's when, you know, they somebody took me to get medical care and I was physically okay, but I think it was still a year before I went into treatment um, at that point, but So I got to treatment and I was physically getting leveled out and the big book is still kind of, and the people in the meetings are still kind of, but I, you know, I read this one, um, I think it's the daily reflection from March 23rd, maybe it's March something. And it starts off with the 10 step promises. And while I didn't know if I wanted sobriety, the 10 step promises, you know, starts off and we have ceased fighting and I knew I wanted that. I Mm. didn't want to fight anymore. Uh And if I couldn't figure out anything else and then that hooked me in and from that moment on i was like i'm ready to do this i want to give up i want to surrender i feel like the spiritual way of life is what i've been seeking for all my life you know because even before not before alcoholism but before i took my first drink i was always such a struggler and a try hard and just everything was a fight with me and so when I when I read that, just tears just started streaming down my face. I think it was like 6.45 in the morning, and nobody else was awake yet. And I'm sitting out there bawling at the 10-step promises. That was really the first piece of the literature that got to my soul. And So, yeah.
0: Wow, that really spoke spoke to you on yeah. a very deep level.
2: Yes, yes.
0: So then it was just all a snap. I, of course. Uh, <laughs> did, well, then you got sober. So where did you struggle uh, with... The program of Alcoholics Anonymous.
2: Ooh, where did I struggle with the program? I think I struggled with um, really giving up. But once I I gave up and kind of surrendered, uh, it was a struggle to sort of let myself trust other people and be vulnerable. Um, And I was really happy that I was encouraged to do you know, a fifth step with somebody. Because I was in this treatment program that really encouraged you to be vulnerable with like your little treatment group, you know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. you kind of get comfortable with them, but then getting comfortable with another person just based on the fact that they're also an alcoholic and sharing these things and having, just putting it all on the table and being like, you have nothing, nobody can hold anything against me anymore, you know, because it's all out there.
0: Isn't that amazing? And it was just that's freedom. so
2: freeing. And,
0: And it's not the freedom that I thought No. I would ever... That I would get from getting sober.
2: Or that I thought I needed.
0: Or that I I needed. But it is to know that nobody can attack me because Mm -hmm. now I'm living well. Right. I mean, I'm not doing anything that I have to be ashamed of. And if I were to do something... Yeah. I'm going to correct it right away because yeah. I don't like that feeling anymore. Right. Oh, that was a big deal for me
1: after that yeah. first fifth step in particular. It was, I feel like I have cleaned off my plate yeah. a lot, yeah. if not entirely, but whatever. A lot of crap was gone yeah. or at least exposed.
2: Yeah, and I don't have to keep secrets anymore.
1: Yes, and I didn't want to add back to that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is why that tenth step, you know, admitting mm-hmm. I'm wrong mm-hmm. when I realize it
3: mm-hmm.
1: and the... Reviewing the day and then going through and doing the the, the steps again mm. with uh, with either with the same sponsor or with new sponsors mm-hmm. or whatever, and picking up that stuff that has fallen
0: through the cracks right. on that tenth and eleventh step work. Yeah. have you done that, Emily? Have you done like a, a fourth and fifth step again outside of treatment?
2: Oh yes, I've done at least at least two more. <laughs> I may have my numbers off, but yeah, and it's been it's been incredibly freeing. Cause I just, you go deeper and deeper, yeah. you know, and the stuff, I don't even know if it's that you're willing to remember or, you know, cause there's obviously, I think a lot of us come in with stuff from our childhoods that isn't immediately accessible to us or wasn't That's to crazy. my chemically adult brain. And I just, you know, and I've really heard that when it's time, your higher power makes it away and it peels it away and you're able to share that. And also to share like the, more mundane things I don't think matter you know if that makes sense like I'm I'm all for making my amends for the big issues that I know I've caused but I know for one I got um called out for rolling my eyes at somebody one day, which I do all the time, unfortunately. It's um character defect of eye rolling. But um is,
0: is that on your list of character oh yes, defects? Oh yes. And, eye rolling. Uh,
2: I'm just trying to work on my face in general, but um <laughs> So and my sponsor and I Oh it. yeah, that's what I need to do. Um and Either I remember matter
0: com- wolf contacts. <laughs>
2: Can you roll your eyes in this? I mean. Yeah, well,
0: yeah, but you're going to lose your contacts. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> do not. It would I. be even more dramatic. Hey, my no, eyes. don't do it. My
1: eyes have rolled so hard sometimes it looked like slot machine dials. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but I had rolled my eyes at somebody and gotten called out for it. And I was talking to my sponsor about like, I was really ready to go make this huge amends for something I'd done earlier on in my life. And she was like, let's not worry about that one right now. But that person you rolled th- your eyes at, you need to go talk to them today. And I was like, are you serious? She's uh-huh. like, yes yes yeah so um yeah it's uh getting to redo those that process of self-examination has really been really been helpful so
3: yeah
0: they things do it's like you take care of the big things and mm. then there's some smaller things that that appear mm-hmm. just because they were like some of the small things it was like the, that's like the little tiny mm-hmm. thing and now to, to me being sober a while it's a much bigger thing Mm -hmm. it's really Mm -hmm. not that small of a thing because i want to improve myself one of the things that i've been doing is working on my caustic humor uh i have a you know sarcastic sense of humor (sighs) and i've hurt people's feelings Mm -hmm. and unintentionally because i was just joking Mm -hmm. but it's like hard and before it was, I was just joking. But now I'm at a place where I really want to do this because I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Right. That's not what I'm trying to do.
2: Right? Yeah. And also, I can do better. Right. Right. I can do better. And also, what I found is, you know, I have a disease of perception, and what I think is small and what I think is big are not always. It's not yeah. always correct, you know, and so.
1: And that's why having a sponsor and exactly, trusted friends makes this work exactly. so well.
2: And it, yeah, and always. And never living too long alone in my own head. That's never a good
3: place to be. So,
2: yeah. Just always running it by other people.
1: It it, it really is a big deal for me with um with the sponsorship in, in particular. And I brought this up on a, an episode a while ago. But it was, there was a thing that happened during a surgery that I had and my recovery and all that. And my part in it, to me, seemed so small. Mm-hmm but then the things that happened because of what i did were big mm-hmm. the actions that others took and when i sat down with my sponsor after i, I got a, i got a piece of new information that uh, like a year and a half later and i sat down with my sponsor and reviewed that with him and then it was like oh wow mm-hmm. i've got some stuff to clean up here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah these are the things that show up whenever we're willing to do
0: this work yeah what's if you if you don't if you can think of one that would work, you don't need to do a fifth step here. Oh, but if oh, come on, some, <laughs> give us a fifth step. Oh boy! But if there's some amends that you made that was a particularly hard or effective.
2: Hmm. Um. Well.
0: Because people listen, I know that to me, the idea of making amends was the scariest mm-hmm. thing that AA proposed.
2: Well. For me, I was, not to be contrary, but um, I was really excited to make amends once I got, you know, a little bit of time. So I was like, let me get out there because my huh? ego just was like, you know, I'm perfect now. Let me show all these people. And so I really needed a sponsor <laughs> to kind of reel me back in um, and calm me down. And, uh, you know, I was also very eager to my first the amends I first wanted to make were like to all these ex-boyfriends, and she's like, "No, no, no, no." Okay, let let's let's calm down because um, that's that's what I wanted to dive back in and start causing chaos because now had right. had you
1: worked to the steps up to making amends at this point when you were eager to do all this or were you ready to make amends like after oh, step three? Well, or?
2: yeah, I was eager. This is probably I'm referring to like after step three, but um, after fully working the steps, I had a lot of amends to make, um, mainly to. Uh, co-employees of the sort um, and my employers and that was really humbling because I had to you know go before them be like you know I don't even really remember all of exactly what happened I know it was bad and I don't know how to make this right but something that was really powerful was just in the coming to them and being willing I think all of them accepted it so well and I I still remember um, something because I had so many bosses so quickly but um i remember one boss kind of referring to how he would refer to this in the future and he just said emily i think it's best if we are uh, truthful but vague going forth about you know how he would help me get further jobs and i was i thought that was a uh, very interesting he put it that way but i think something that was like really that. Uh, touching about all my amends was and I'm, I'm incredibly grateful and lucky about this, but that nobody was like ready to further shame me. It mm. was all like, we just, we knew you could get better and we really wanted you to. And just the only thing you've got to do is keep doing what you're doing. And that was almost kind of hard to hear because I kind of wanted them to jump on me and shame me, you know, and say, ah, go whip yourself 50 more times and then you'll be forgiven. And And that wasn't how it was taken, but going forward and especially to all those, cause I had a lot of people in my workplace physically taking care of me when I was coming in and withdrawing or it was very sick. Um, and they were just Where all did you work? really, I, <laughs> what, what kind of work? Was uh, so it? I actually, I work in a, in a lab. I worked in a lab at a, a university a little ways away from here, but, um, I was, uh, So
0: it's a small group of people exactly, that all
2: knew each other. Exactly. So we we're all, it's kind of a informal relationship in general. So, um, Yeah, I, a lot of those people I had to reach out to, and um, especially this one, I felt so awful, um, because I, the, the job I had had the longest that I resigned from, I had worked with several grad students for a number of years, and they were all sort of aware something was not right with me, and I went to one grad student, and she, when I told her I was leaving, she just broke down sobbing, and I had no idea that anybody cared that much that I worked there, but, you know, and so I... Was also I had been perpetrating this lie that my drinking is really only hurting me, and mm. so to realize that people, even when I didn't care about myself, did care about me, and I had hurt others, that was hard. So making those amends and rebuilding those kind of friendships um, has been just an incredible result of this program, and I'm really grateful for that. So, yeah.
1: Wow, that's yeah. great.
2: Yeah.
1: And there's so much difference between um, saying I'm sorry. Exactly, and making the amends, and I think one of the biggest things that shows up in that is that in working the the steps, it takes some time. You yes. know, it's it, we're not working the steps in in a, in a day. No. And I know that there are people who used to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the amount of time that it took me to be sober, yeah, and to be living better, kind of gave some some proof if you will, that this is not an empty apology like the right. stuff that I used to say, I'm right. sorry for, I won't do it again.
2: Exactly. Because how many times did I do that?
0: You yeah. Know?
2: And I think for me taking the ego out of it to be like, what can I do?
0: Yes. Emily, what's your sobriety like today?
2: Oh, it's... What do you
0: do um, to stay sober?
2: Well, I, um, I go to meetings.
0: How many do you go to?
2: Probably about four or five a week. I've, uh, actually recently started attending another fellowship in addition. Um, I do lots and lots of, uh, service work at a local treatment center. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say. Sure. So, um, I do lots of service work there. I'm there at least twice a week. I go there and I just try and carry the message that I've been here before too and you just got to keep doing what they're saying and they really aren't out to get you we're trying to help you um no really 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 (laughs) we are we are trying trying to help help. I know it seems silly and I know
0: there's there's no such thing (laughs) yeah people being generous
2: yeah exactly (laughs) that's
0: the way I felt
2: (laughs) um and I uh you know I have an incredible network of women that I stay in touch with And I, like I said, I try to spend as little time alone in my head as possible. So, um, and I'm extremely grateful that I had this sponsor who I remember about Probably two years ago, I had something go not my way. And it wasn't disastrous or anything, but I was telling her, I'm like, I am really in pain here. What do I do? I am in so much pain. And I remember her saying, Uh, Emily, I think you can look in your phone and find somebody else who's probably hurting more than you. I want you to find that person, help them, and call me back. Wow. And I was just I was I was so offended. You guys. Of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> I was so offended, but I have found that to be so helpful. Um, and just getting outside of myself because my own head perceives things to be so huge and disastrous, and they very rarely are. Um, That's
0: right. Just, yeah. I I know the first time my sponsor, uh, first sponsor, told me this, it just pissed me off. But I was telling about something that was uh-huh. really bad that this uh, client had done, and he he looked at me and he said, "They don't know how important you are." I thought you were on my side. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you got some letting go to And do. I am on
1: your side, just <laughs> not how you think. Yeah, <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly.
1: Emily, you mentioned uh, that you've you've got a lot of women in your life now mm-hmm. that you're connected to a lot of women in recovery. Yes. Yes. Now, I'm kind of assuming that prior to recovery, you weren't connected to a lot of women in recovery. But were Correct. you? Did you get along with women? Did you have uh, a lot of friends who were female? Yeah. I
2: I've always been able to kind of get along with people. I think my ability to be vulnerable and um, sustain deep connections has been really limited. I also know that uh, in my drinking, I really pursued my romantic relationships in exclusion of any other kind of relationship, if that makes sense. So I would push people out. Uh, in order to maintain this one relationship, yes. and um, right. that is my big pattern. So today, that's something I really work to not do, and so I really try. But you mean
0: like no romantic relationship? <gasps> oh no, or... no, no,
2: not at all, not that. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> heaven forbid!
2: <laughs> oh boy, I'm blushing. Um, no, but to you know maintain that kind of relationship in in addition to friendships that are based on the spiritual principles of the program and women who lift me up and who look out for me no matter what and uh, that's been incredible and to have a sponsor who I can reach out to and really work on building that relationship on a daily basis because I think that's also something I've really learned in sobriety I don't know where this is coming from but here it goes is that sort of like good things in life require daily maintenance. I don't think that occurred to me before I got sober.
0: It's so true. You're you're (laughs) right. And it's something I've learned in recovery.
2: Like I really never thought of, you know, if I want to have a good relationship with somebody, I need to think about their needs and maybe call them once in a while and not just, you know, wait for them to check on me or, you know, and the daily practices that our program encourages that, Obviously, prayer and meditation and all that big stuff, it, it works when you do it on a daily basis. You know, it doesn't really work if I just get all dramatic one day and decide to fix the world, and then tomorrow I'm too tired to do anything. Um, so
0: The flowers that grow are the seeds that you water. Exactly. And if you don't water them, they're going to wither and die. So the, it's the things that I think about, where I put my attention, where I spend my energy those are the things that grow, mm-hmm. and and that includes the stuff in my mind. Oh. And so, like, it would be very easy for me to get to water the seeds of of anger and resentment, like in politics. So oh. crazy right now, mm-hmm. and I can go there, and if I want to, I could spend hour after hour every day on that topic. Yeah, and I would get angrier and angrier and mm-hmm. more and more uh, resentful. I don't want to live that way, so mm-hmm. I don't I don't water those seeds. Exactly. I've turned that away. Yeah. But the same thing's true for friendships. If I want to have friends, my a friend that, of the podcast he was on a couple times died uh, recently, mm-hmm. Blair, and. He uh, he's somebody that I learned that from. Mm. He would call during the day and just say, "Howdy, Mister." Mm -hmm. Uh, I really miss that. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's something that would happen frequently. He would do it. Oh, I don't know, a couple times a month, Mm -hmm. and in the afternoon. Well, it turns. He did that with everyone. Right. He did that with all of his friends, Mm -hmm. and it nurtured a friendship. So if I want to have a friendship to. have on be ongoing. I need to. Reach out, make that, just touch base. <laughs>
3: right.
0: And, and it made it no less special that he did that right. to all his friends. Exactly. It made it no less special to you that he did that. Right. That's right. Yeah. He was nurturing all those friendships. He didn't want the friendships to die away. Right. So yeah. spending that little bit of time, and I mean, I love what you said. I mean, you've got to, you just got to put the, that daily effort yes. into it. I mean, well, it doesn't even need to be daily, but it's got to be right. there right. with friendships. Yeah. Buddy.
2: And just showing up for people, like how big a deal that is. Because I didn't used to show up for anybody or anything. And just for those little moments that, you know, maybe you think are not of consequence, but they are to them.
0: So, yeah.
1: You know, I needed to hear that. Yeah. because it's this is a thing. I, I don't know if it's just how I'm wired as an alcoholic or maybe I'm antisocial. Who the hell knows? But I have picked up in the past a, I would like get a to-do list app just on on my phone that was just for calling people. Mm. So it was like, I've got this list of people and I would check off that. I've called this one. I've called this one. I've called this one. And then I would unmark them as done at some point. So I would remember to call them again. And because I just don't remember to do it's I'm not wired that way to do this. And I haven't done that in a while. I am not
2: good at staying
1: in touch.
3: (laughs) Yeah. It,
0: well, yeah, I don't know if it is a part of alcoholism, but I mean we are we do tend to be selfish.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, well, I had a friend who came into AA from Al-Anon, and she said she loved going to Al-Anon, which she went to first, because they kept talking about detaching with love, and she was going, "Oh, I can <laughs> detach. Let me tell you, it's because she's an alcoholic. She wanted to Al-Anon." <laughs> I am so detached. <laughs> I can't detach. And I love you, trust <laughs> me. I, but I'm detached. You go do your thing and leave me alone. <laughs> I am detaching with love. So it, watch how fast I detach. Uh, <laughs> so I, I have to work on it. Uh, I have to pay attention to that if I want it to happen. I, yeah.
2: I had to laugh out of the microphone for that one. <laughs> I, can re- I can relate to that. Oh, yeah, because detaching is easy. But um yeah, it's the maintenance of stuff that can be difficult. So so I have these incredible friendships. I have these women who are just, I feel, taken care of. And even on days when I can't necessarily, you know, feel my higher power, I have these relationships and these women who really carry me through my day-to-day. And, you know, there was a time, especially in early sobriety, when I was just getting out of treatment, when, I mean, there was very little I did of my own uh volition or thought like i was everything got checked out by like 10 other people but it's gotten slightly less i'm slightly <laughs> less like needy but it's in the beginning that's how it had to be because my mind was just so warped um and i really had to learn to trust people and a higher power and do the next right thing so but it
0: took some time sounds like you got a crew
2: i do have a crew uh, it's uh, it's pretty incredible and what I've really found that I really um, connect well with people when I do service mm-hmm. and that I, I need an activity because I'm kind of one on one conversation without like a underlying thing. It's a little difficult for me because I, I just so I get so into my own head. Um, so I've had you know, I've done all these various volunteer things over the past three years and I've really just picked up these various relationships from that and it's not necessarily like from one home group or one it's just all over the place but these women I keep in touch with and they're awesome it's just really cool but those are how those relationships start it's uh, or a shared interest or whatnot but um it's really cool people are really cool when you let them be you know what I mean like and I had my guard up so much when I was drinking <laughs> that now that when I let people be they're pretty cool
1: so. You know, there was a, a former DCM uh, district committee member here in, in District 23 that uh, pointed out, he said it to me in such a perfect way that I'm totally going to mangle now, but it was that thing of when you put two people putting away chairs after a meeting, it's really hard not to have a conversation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that really helps build relationships. Yeah. And that's where service. I mean, service can be all kinds of things. Right. And washing coffee cups, if mm-hmm. you're a, a group that does that, or you know, it used to be ashtrays, right? Yeah. Um, that uh, kind of it's stuff. It's where like, the
0: expression "God is in the coffee pot." There you go. God's in the bottom of the coffee pot. Help clean up. Yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs>
1: and it gives that opportunity to talk. Yeah. Because you've you've got this shared task. And one of the cool things I love about Alcoholics Anonymous and Alcoholics in Recovery in general is the small talk, we don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. We've already got something in common. We know one thing, one really big thing that we got in common. Right. Which is awesome for me because I hate small talk. I hate trying to find that thing that we have in common so that we can carry on a conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we sure as hell can talk about, well what was it like? What brought what brought you in here? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. I
0: mean, yeah, yeah. instead of small talk, it'll be like uh, some desperate thing that happened in my past and it'll be uh, just getting to real deep conversations. I don't like small talk. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I want to really dive in there with somebody. hold your hand out in the air a little higher. A little higher. higher. There you go. Good. Be now, steady. Now don't flinch. Oh. Oh, it missed.
1: That's probably a good thing because you're not wearing a glove and those talons are pretty sharp. <laughs> it's time for our old-timers question. Who
0: you calling an old-timer? You. That's what
1: happens if you don't drink and you don't die.
0: Well, no matter how long you've been sober, it's still one day at a time, shiny boy.
1: Shiny. Shiny. I I still need to learn that song. (laughs) Shiny. Shiny. So I I selected a question before we ever got going. I love how much you shared about literature in the beginning of our our conversation. Because the question we have is from Beverly in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. What's your favorite
0: line from the big book? (laughs) The first one that comes to mind is, Out come the carpet slippers in a bottle. (laughs) That's probably not my favorite line. Um, By noon, I was boiled as an owl. (laughs) Wait, that sounds like the
1: boiled owl. Is that where it comes
0: from? That's where it comes from. It's a quote from the big book.
1: Don, you know the Big Book pretty well, anyway, Don, because I mean, I'm going to well, hear that. That's a thump. <laughs> you big book thumper. <laughs> well, I want to. I, I, I want to give a little bit of a teaser here too, that um, because uh, my name is Ebenezer S is a play that you helped write. That's right, and it's coming up
0: soon, folks. That's right. It's a play that's a ghostly twelve step call. <laughs> It's kind of take, uh, you take uh, Charles Dickens and Bill Wilson and me and put them all in a blender, and that's what comes out. <laughs> a kind of sludge. Sludge. So uh, I wrote it with some friends. I had the idea that the, that the Christmas Carol story is like a 12-step call on Ebenezer S. And it's full of big book references. And so I took, took that story and kind of mapped out the arc of the story and got together with friends, and we all brainstormed and came up with jokes and things like that and Then I've used the big book and put as many quotes from the big book in there as possible and it's it's you can play a drinking game though I suggest you do it with coffee shots of espresso <laughs> shots of espresso <laughs> of how many quotes from the big book are there?
2: Well, I guess I will go. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> Please. <laughs> so I guess I think as I shared, I really like the beginning of the 10 step promises and we have ceased fighting because that to me just sums up so much of my sobriety journey, even just starting. But also uh, another thing I really like. Oh, he's got his big book now, guys, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> is uh, <laughs> The other part that I really love about in the big book, all the um, stuff about the third step in terms of the alcoholic is the actor always rearranging things. And whenever I need to remember how my brain works uh, without this program, I read that and I think, oh, my goodness, this is what I'm doing. And when there there have been certain periods of my life when I have read, I think it's like pages 60 to 62, like every morning and just had to really kind of be like, OK, I'm really turning my life over to something bigger than me and I'm not rearranging anything today. I'm just going to be here. So that's what I like.
0: I love that. Thanks. <laughs> what about spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation? No, that's too egotistic. Go ahead, Sam. <laughs> uh, how about the music of the spheres? <laughs> Ooh, I love it when they talk about the music of the spheres.
2: You guys are very poetic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, Bill's very poetic. Bill's very poetic. You know what Bill mu- didn't like using the same word
0: twice. No. <laughs> you know what the music of the spheres is, though. Some people don't know what the music of the spheres actually is, what he's referring to. The music of the spheres was uh, the medieval idea that before astronomy, back in the days of astrology, they thought that the planets were rotating in the ether, which was outer space was the ether, and the planets must have been on a sphere and the spheres rotated one inside of the other. So each of the planets was on a a glass sphere, and these glass spheres that surrounded the Earth made a noise as they turned, and that's the music of the spheres. And we can't hear it because it's always there. (gasps) Like a fish in water. Like a fish in water.
2: Wow. Interesting. That's fascinating.
1: Well, that's not my favorite line of the book. (laughs) But it is one that instantly came to mind because it is kind of poetic, right? right. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know that I can say I have a favorite line in the big book, but there is one that brings tears, um, and I can't quote it, but it's from the story Keys to the Kingdom or Keys of the Kingdom, I think it's called. I have a memory attached to it. I have a tattoo attached to it. Ah, I just showed my arm with a key tattooed on my arm. When I was uh, in Buenos Aires, Argentina, for a couple of weeks for a uh, vacation, there was a a meeting that I went to and a guy who had relapsed came back to that meeting and he closed the meeting reading the end of Keys of the Kingdom. And it just, it gave me chills and it brought tears. And there were so many other parts of that trip that a key was symbolic, that that one was just like the, the cherry on top of a big book passage in an experience in a meeting.
0: And so I really like that. Another one I really like is where it talks about the anger and resentment being the dubious luxury mm. of ordinary men. It's like, okay, they can have it. I've often gone to that in my mind to go, oh, I, you know, yes, there is justifiable rage. There's justifiable anger. It's a real thing. It's justified. But that doesn't mean I can participate in it.
2: Yeah. To, it's an indulgence.
0: It's it's an indulgence. Yeah. Because to the precise extent do I spend my time doing that, it removes me from the sunlight of the spirit. That's not a quote, but it's it's, it's pretty in there. Pretty damn close. <laughs> you got the Emily blessing on that uh-huh. one. I think she's <laughs> I think she's pretty up on this big book. I, there's so much in the big book, and the language is... I think Bill was, you know, he was he was poetic in the way he was writing. But I'll tell you what, when I first came in, I couldn't read the big book. I didn't like it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the language was outdated. I was wanted to rewrite it. And <laughs> oh, <it's>, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And my sponsor <laughs> indulged me in that, but it, he would bring it up that it has been, remained this way, for a reason because it works to for people to get s- sober so it's a plan that really works then eventually I began to let go quit fighting I was I was in a meeting and I was raging about the way that the language in the big book talks about women oh. women are women folk are women <laughs> folk and and it's was real I was going this has to be rewritten and after the meeting of lady who had been sober 20 years came up to me and said don if i can get sober with this language you can get sober with it quit fighting and I was like, what <laughs> <laughs> but i was being outraged for you <laughs> uh,
1: <yes. laughs>
2: i love being outraged for other people's sake <laughs>
1: yeah. what was it I, I i saw someone post on facebook yesterday it was something to the effect of helpfulness is the happy side of control. Oh,
0: yes. Yes, I love that. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Isn't that good? Yeah. Isn't that Mhm, mhm. Oh, I
0: don't like that. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> getting into some Alan on there, but
0: Yes. You know <laughs> yes. Thanks for the question.
1: Yes. That was from Beverly <laughs> in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thanks, Thanks Beverly. Oh, oh,
0: wow. We really appreciate getting an ma- email to give a hoot.
1: Give a hoot at boiledowlaa.org.
0: Because it lets us know that people are listening. It's exciting for the long... You know, for about a year and a half, we didn't get any, any no, mail at sure all. We sure
1: didn't make up a bunch of questions.
0: Oh, yeah. we can, I mean, we'll, we're creative. <laughs> we're creative.
2: I've noticed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, when, in fact, we always ask our guests for a question that they had when they came in, which we'll be asking you after the show, Emily. So that we have a backlog of of real questions that people had when they came into AA, because
1: I mean they're They're just a little time shifted.
0: AA is like uh, very hard to understand. Well, and that's come in, and to bring it back to the big book. I mean,
1: so you know, the big book was written because there were too few recovered alcoholics in the beginning to help to help a lot of people. And so they wrote this book to capture their experience of how they got sober. And then the book was sold and mailed to people all across the country. Those people were getting sober by the book. They were reading that book by themselves and getting sober. But they were also—it was a book written in the language of their day— Mm -hmm. that language is dated. There's no doubt about it, which is why it is so key to sit down with someone who has worked the steps with someone else in that big book Mm -hmm. and can act as a guide taking a newcomer through that big book.
0: Yep, that's right. I needed a sponsor. And Frankly, I needed a group that studied the big mm-hmm. book, and it was with that Very group. Slowly. <laughs> Very slowly. Very yeah. slowly. And it was with that group that I really learned to love and appreciate all the depth that is in the first... 164
1: pages? 164, 164 pages. pages. You're more of a thumper
0: than me. Thumper. Mm. <laughs> I'm thinking
1: M- thumper from Bambi. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, thanks for joining us. Well, thank Absolutely. you all so
2: much. It's been a pleasure. This has been a pleasure. I had fun.
0: Watch out!
1: Like, oh, wait! Put your arm, put your arm back out there. Oh. No, don't, don't, don't. There oh. yeah, oh. you go. Oh. Oh. <laughs> thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl Podcast is posted on the first and fifteenth of every month. Visit us at boiledowlaa.org or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous in your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of Alcoholics Anonymous and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services.
2: isn't live so i suppose <laughs> it's like are we still on <laughs> oh no and the thing now is, i can say the
3: real stuff no i'm just kidding <laughs> exa-
1: oh and he's still recording because oh. he put stuff after the uh, oh, the okay, closing God. credit
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, um uh, uh well um 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 um, um well um, um, um and uh, uh, really um and, um, well, um, mm-hmm. um, 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 I, uh, uh um, well, um, I, um, and, um, and, um, and, um, they, well, um, I, but I, um, 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 um well, um, I, and, uh, um, um um and um well um I um 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 uh um really um but I um um jug bitten. <laughs> I've enjoyed being knackered a time or two. <laughs>